Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, we have a pretty good relationship, don't you think? Yeah, I'd say so. Do you ever worry that one day we'll get in a huge fight and then it'll be really difficult to do the podcast? No. <laughs> now that you bring it up, I, it might keep me up at night. But but if we break up, who gets the podcast? Oh, well, you know, I would get the podcast, Molly, because... Uh, C comes before M in the alphabet, and therefore I'm, you know, I'm first, so I'm entitled to, to grabs at the podcast. You're gonna take the whole podcast? Will you leave me the blog? Well, yeah, you will. You leave me the Twitter account. Can I have all our online accounts? Sure. And you'll take the podcast. Mm -hmm. See, now we really should have dealt with this issue way before we started the podcast. Well, the thing is, though, Molly, if we break up, I think How Stuff Works gets our podcast. <laughs> well, that's true. But, you know, if we want to consider our podcast as a metaphor for the things that we've accumulated together. For our spiritual marriage. Is for our spiritual marriage, exactly. To? Okay. Um, then I think what it brings us to our topic of the day, which is prenup agreements. Yeah. You know, if 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 Krista and I make this business venture together, which in some ways is what marriage is, the joining of two accounts. Yeah. I bring, absolutely. I bring my knowledge. You bring your knowledge together. We make a knowledge baby of our <laughs> podcast. I love where <laughs> this is going. Keep going. Uh, then, you know, before, before we entered into this agreement, we might should have hammered out some, some details. Yeah. If, if, you know, if I write a book, stuff mom never told you, do I have to give you half the proceeds? I will sue your ass. But Kristen, I don't think we'll ever have a huge fight. No. Ever. Ever. And, um, Let's but, make a pact right now, Molly, <laughs> on live, not live podcast air. But you know what? That's also bringing to the topic of prenup because I bet a lot of people don't think they need a prenup when they get married because they're like, we're never going to fight. Yeah. I mean, the, the people that come to mind right now that's in the news, Alan Tipper Gore, they yeah. were married 40 years. I don't know if they had a prenup or not. I haven't done any, any research into that. But, you know, you think, think of that. It's like a really long-term couple. Why would they need to, to sign a prenup? What do you know? 40 years down the line. And they both have plenty of assets. Yeah. And who knows what will happen? I mean, it seems like it's a pretty amicable breakup. But but when you consider other celebrities, which is what we're going to do now, we are going to see why prenups are so vital. Right. Because we often think of, we associate prenups, at least, with the rich and famous. Mm -hmm. For instance, one one prenup agreement that kind of gave me a little bit of joy was uh, I found out from Radar Online that Sandra Bullock and Jesse James have a prenup that specifies that he gets no money in a divorce if he cheats during the marriage. Jesse, you might want to have thought about that (laughs) before you cheated with seven women, allegedly. Uh, I I do want to note that Radar Online is not normally a source for our podcast. But but um, when when we must research celebrities, Molly... You have to do what you have to do. Let's turn to Esquire, which uh, had spotlighted seven celebrities and their prenups. Uh, it was it's touched off by the whole Tiger Woods situation, because apparently when he originally got married, uh, his deal limited Ellen, his wife, to $20 million if the marriage lasted 10 years. And given all his endorsement deals and his winnings, that's that's chump change. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a good way to protect his assets from his wife. 
But, but, uh, you know, after the, after the year that, that Tiger's had, apparently, according to Esquire, he is revising the deal to 80 million to keep her to stay for seven more years. So we think about it sometimes in terms of putting a price tag on the marriage, but in reality, it's more about protecting your assets before the marriage. Right. Now, on the other, f- side of the spectrum. We have Steven Spielberg and Amy Irving, who were married in 1985. They got divorced four years later. And Spielberg and Irving just allegedly scribbled down a prenup on a cocktail napkin. And uh, when the judge threw out the napkin at the divorce, uh, Irving wound up with a $100 million payout. Yeah, Spielberg made some pretty good movies between 85 and 89. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, you're talking about chump change. I mean, $100 million at this point is chump change to him. But maybe in 1989, you know, he was like, oh, maybe the cocktail napkin idea wasn't so great. Might have actually wanted to see a lawyer about that. Yeah. Um, sometimes when you've been burned by enough marriages, you know to get a prenup. And that brings us to the case of Elizabeth Taylor and Larry Portensky. Because Elizabeth Taylor made made sure she had a, a prenup before she married for the eighth time. And so he only got a million-dollar settlement when they split five years later. And let's talk about one that always seems to make the, the tabloid magazines, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes deal. Oh, Tomcat, yeah. So according to Esquire, for every year she's married to the couch jumper, she only gets $3 million from him. Despite no matter what movies he makes during the course of their marriage, Despite, you know, if he makes the next, if he makes Top Gun 2. Only, Molly. Only three mil? I'm in Hollywood land okay, right okay. now. All right. In Hollywood, See that's. the money signs in That's your eyes. only three million. You know, because if he does make another blockbuster, he's going to get a nice, nice chunk of change. Sure. But if she makes it to year 11, then California's community property law goes into effect and then she can make Half of whatever he made during the marriage. Right. Because as we'll talk about in a minute, different states have different laws pertaining to prenups, not surprisingly, and different countries also view prenups differently. But Molly, we're talking about the rich and famous and, uh, and ourselves <laughs> and, and ourselves. Um, so maybe we need to dial this down a little bit and bring it, bring it back to reality because chances are, um, our listeners, as much as I love each and every one of you, you're probably not among the rich and famous. And if you are, send me an email. Um, but yeah, let's talk, I mean, let's talk about like in reality, what, what does a prenup entail? And should people even think about it? If I am not pulling in millions of dollars every year, is it something that I should even consider? And I would argue that the thing I'm going to argue over the course of the podcast, Kristen, is yes. Yes. Molly is very pro prenup. I, I am very pro prenup and I am not even someone who's going to come to a marriage with a ton of money. That I know of. That you know of. Um, but the fact of the matter is celebrities and their, and their crazy Hollywood money are not the ones who invented prenups, despite the fact that that's who we associate with them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, historical records show that prenups stretch all the way back to ancient Egypt, especially with the wealthy families of the day. They kind of broker these marriages, the parents would broker marriages, and obviously they want to protect um, the assets. And then fast forward a little bit to the 19th century, we, um, women were covered under what's called coverture laws. And essentially when a woman would get married, all of her property would be automatically transferred to her husband. Then if her husband dies or divorces her, all of her assets could just magically disappear. Now, once the Married Women's Property Act of 1848 was instituted, um, then that kind of 
gave her a little more leeway with uh, with her property that she brought into the marriage. But prenups were pretty common to protect a woman's inheritance or whatever kind of family assets that, that she would have. For a man as well. They're very popular, especially in royal families. Mm-hmm. Again, you wouldn't want, you know, your kingdom accidentally going to your in-laws. So I hate um, when that happens. <laughs> I do too. So it was it was really just a way to protect these major assets. But what we learned in our research is that now even people who don't have the most major of assets, who are not Rockefellers or or kings of England, might want to consider prenups. And let's talk a little bit about what the agreement actually says if it's not trying to protect, you know, your your jewels. So even if you're not a royal, if you're not a Rockefeller, Let's talk about what might be in your prenup and why you might need one. Yeah, I mean, just in the simplest terms, a prenuptial agreement is a contract between two people who are about to wed. Uh, it spells out exactly how their assets will be distributed in the event of divorce or death. Now, this is where uh, people start to get antsy right away about prenups because you're basically, before you get married, planning for divorce. Mm-hmm. And so people will say, this is so unromantic. This is just, you know, you're, you, you'll you never make it if you're planning to divorce. Right. And to this I say, Kristen, before we continue, just keep this in mind. No one ever plans for a plane to crash, but we still go over where the flotation devices are. So true. So that's what I'm going to say to the people who think it's not romantic. Yeah. Is... You got to plan for divorce. And some people are. Some people are going into this very level headed and saying, you know, one in two marriages is going to end in divorce. Let's be sensible about this now when we're still in love. Even if you think it's unromantic, bear us out because you still listen to when the mask is going to fall from the airplane, even though it probably never will. Well, and one thing that I think people get confused about when it comes to prenups is that lawyers will advise that you lay out prenups before you even get engaged. This is not something we see it portrayed in movies and TV a lot of times as something that someone has to sign like right before they get married. Yeah, no. they're, they're in the wedding dress yeah. and they're trying to decide whether to sign the prenup. Um, and, and that's not going to happen because legally, it, the closer that it happens to the wedding, the less uh, recourse that person will have uh, in, in the case of divorce because if the judge says, like, sees that, oh, you, the, the bride signed this prenup like two days before the wedding, that's coercion and she's going to get more than is laid out in this prenup. Yeah, so... To you to really make this agreement, it's got to be done sort of with a clear head, not mm-hmm. with a wedding head, um, and you've got to you've got to be pretty honest with your finances. Well, and you need two separate attorneys. Also, you don't need the same attorney as much as you you love your your honey. Get a lawyer, and I, I'm sure that's part of the reason why some people don't think they're eligible for prenups because. A, who can afford two lawyers right now? Yeah. But it's just, it's insurance against anything. If you do need two lawyers down the road, you're going to wish you'd had one earlier. Very true. And just to give you an idea of some things you might want to think about in terms of whether you should get an, a prenup, bankrate.com recommends you think about uh, the old prenuptial agreement in case you have, say, any assets such as a home, stock, or retirement funds. If you own any or part of a business, if you have or will be receiving an inheritance, if you have kids or grandchildren from previous marriage, uh, if one of you is wealthier than the other, because Molly, I know when you become filthy rich, mm-hmm. you know, you're, 
you're going to have to lock that, that up tight. Yeah. Um, and then if one of you will be supporting the other through, through college, because once again, Molly, when you get filthy rich, you know, and I know you, you like the, you know, the younger guys. So there we go. But again, Kristen, my, my pro prenup head is saying maybe I get filthy rich while I'm married. Yeah. So you've also got to protect your future too. Yeah, because let's talk a little bit about those state laws that we mentioned earlier, because depending on where you live, a prenup is definitely going to be a good idea. For instance, if let's say like many celebrities, you live in California, which is a community property state, you get divorced and the law says everything accumulated during the marriage will be divided equally, just split down the middle. So if you get married in California and afterwards, you know, say... I get discovered in an ice cream shop and I become a huge actress. Exactly. And then, you know, your 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 honey is just, you know, a carpenter or something. Uh, then he's going to get half of all of your riches, your post riches. And he did riches. not even do all that work. I know. I know. I, so, I, I can't believe he, he's even trying to get your money. Anyway, but um, it happens. <laughs> it does happen. But there are nine community property states where that will happen. And that's Arizona, California, Idaho, Louisiana, Nevada, New Mexico. Tech. It's really unnecessary for me to say all these. So aside from California, there are eight other community property states. Now, the rest of them, for the most part, are called equitable distribution states in which assets are divvied up according to what the court deems fair. And the judge might take into account uh, things like the length of the marriage, whether or not you have kids, the couple's age, health, job skills, and other factors. But that is unless you have an airtight prenup. Yeah, because if let's use the actress example. If that carpenter husband goes into court and says, oh, I constructed all the sets for her movies, thus I am half responsible for her success. Or if he says, you know, because of your your celebrity party lifestyle, you're an unfit mother and he's going to have to take care of the seven children that you somehow produced, then he might get a little more. Yeah. So it's it can definitely happen sort of a life you can't even imagine for yourself could suddenly materialize. And then what are you going to do? But, you know, we've talked a little bit about um Making sure that a prenup is not coerced. Mm-hmm. Making sure that each person has a lawyer. Mm-hmm. What does it say in the prenup? Let's talk about when you sit down to have that conversation, everything you've got to put on the table. And I do mean everything. And that is something we talked about in other podcasts is that you really just don't want to talk about money with someone you're in love with. It's so unromantic. But you've got to get financially naked. Mm-hmm. Even if you haven't gotten physically naked with the person, you've got to lay it all out there. Credit card debt. That's the other thing a prenup can protect you from. Let's say yeah. that my hypothetical carpenter husband gets a drug habit and then because he can't do with my success, obviously, and then uh, runs up a credit card bill when he's buying TVs to sell for his drug habit. <laughs> that was a very elaborate example. I don't need to get stuck with that debt. Yeah. So it's also protecting you against maybe the bad things that uh, someone's bringing into the relationship. Hey, you've got maybe credit card debt, student loans, um, that private island you own. You probably shouldn't omit mentioning that because <laughs> later if the divorce judge finds it, that's going to be a big, big trouble mark for you. Yeah. So you're supposed to lay everything out. And in that process, especially if you're doing this around the time of an engagement, it can be a good barometer too of, of, from a practical sense, knowing whether or not this, this person is going to be a good partner. Um, but there are some things, Molly, that a prenup 
cannot cover. Now, when we were talking before this, you were like, I want to get, I want to get it pimped out, <laughs> prenup, and it's going to lay out so many stipulations. Well, there are some really silly prenups that say things like, uh, the two must have sex twice a week. And it'll even say like certain positions you have to use. Yeah. Like wife cannot gain more than 10 pounds. Yeah. Over 20 years yeah. or she forfeits $10 million. So it's, you can get really crazy prenups, but tell us why that's not a good idea. Kristen. Well, if you in fact get divorced and then you, you bring this zany prenup to the judge and you say, I mean, look at us. She gained 50 pounds and we weren't having, you know, sex eight times a week, like I stipulated, the judge is going to say that that's frivolous. That's frivolous. It was a frivolous prenup. And even if you did have really serious money considerations dealt with in there, the whole thing runs the risk of being thrown out. Mm -hmm. Um, And a few more things that you probably are not going to be able to get, get covered in a prenup. It can't cover anything illegal, Kristen. So you can't put a stipulation in there that your, your wife loses money if she doesn't buy drugs for you. Mm hmm. Um, and that's why some of those, um, sex clauses get thrown out because it looks too much like prostitution. Yeah. Um, but infidelity clause is still okay because it's, you know, that's not illegal to ask that your husband not cheat on you. Sure. <laughs> um, the other thing that a prenup can't have is a provision that goes against public policy. So if you have children, you can't really hammer out a lot about, um, child support in the case of a divorce because, uh, courts consider child custody and the welfare of children a matter of public policy. Okay. So let's say that you, uh, um, you know, you're going to have children and you know that, you know, in the case of a divorce, the, the husband's going to pay for them. The wife can't say, I waive all child support. That's a matter of public policy. That's not the decision of a prenuptial agreement. Now, one thing I think we got to keep in mind too with prenuptial agreements is that while yes, they do cover, um, couples assets in case of a divorce, but it also covers your assets in case of death. But the will, someone's will and the prenup have a pretty interesting relationship. Um, basically your spouse's will cannot supersede the prenup if the will is stingier. So, I mean, you're in a win-win situation. If you have a really good prenup and then someone, you know, and then your spouse dies. Like if, if you get less, I know this sounds awful. This does sound awful, Molly. Molly's giving me these, these just, just horror, <laughs> eyes of horror. This is why people think prenups aren't sexy. Cause you basically have to say, what happens if my spouse dies? Yeah. But, and, but what's the deal? If, but if, basically if, if the, the will gives you less than the prenup, the prenup, prenup's going to win out. Yeah. Or vice versa. If the will gives you more and then, uh, then all right, you get, get what's in the will and the, and the prenup goes away. Now, one thing that's becoming more popular lately to add into prenups are healthcare mm-hmm. clauses. And this was found in U.S. News and World Report. And it says that with healthcare costs continuing to rise, um, people are getting married for health insurance and they're adding a clause in their prenup saying that, hey, if we get divorced, I still get health insurance. Which I think, you know, like we said, you've got to put it all out on the table, yeah. all the things you're bringing to this marriage, all the things the other person might benefit from. And yes, when you're in the throes of romance, you kind of think, I just, you know, what's yours is mine. And one other interesting thing uh, that people put in their prenups um, is a sunset clause. And that's what we were talking a little bit about with Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise is if you make it a certain amount of marriage, certain a number of years, then the prenup's just null and void because mm-hmm. people figure, oh, if you can make it to 10 years, you'll make it. Uh, that was only to protect against hasty marriages, you know, a marriage of a year suddenly walking away with, you know, half of someone else's things. Um, 
I have to say, to inject my personal opinion, I, I don't like that idea. I think they need to be ironclad the whole duration of the marriage. I mean, you are about as pro-prenup as they come, Molly, I gotta say. They are. Well, I mean, like you, like you mentioned at the beginning, think of Alan Tipper. They yeah. probably thought, oh, we'll be fine after 20 years, and here they are at 40 years getting a divorce. Well, and it's, I think it's also worth noting too that lawyers advise couples with prenups to review their prenups every few years. Maybe they want to adjust something. Maybe, you know, they want to loosen something up or, or tighten up another part. I mean, mm-hmm. why not? It's a legal binding document, kind of like your will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's worth taking a look at. Uh, but the, the thing is too, that we, we often associate, like you said, prenups with just being completely unromantic. Well, it's almost saying, I don't trust you to be fair to me when we're getting a divorce. But the thing is, though, prenups have become like the public perception towards prenups, at least, has improved a lot in recent years. And they think that it's kind of due to the recession because people have just turned into scrooges and want to make sure that they're they're safe. But we found a recent article in USA Today that cited a Harris survey that found that um, more than one third of adults 36% to be exact, said prenups make smart financial sense. And that's up from 28% in 2002. But while a third of people have a favorable view of prenups, far fewer actually have them. According to uh, the same Harris survey, only 3% of people with a spouse or fiancé have a prenup. But that's also up from 1% in 2002. But then let's fast forward to divorce a lot of people wish that they had had one who didn't. Um, among people who got a divorce, 15% say that they regret not having a prenup in their most recent marriage, according, again, to the Harris Poll. And interestingly, uh, men are more likely than women to have this regret, and that's 19% versus 12%. And then nearly 40% of Americans also say they would have asked their significant other to sign a prenup if they remarried. So it's kind of like hindsight 2020 it seems like a lot of people have gotten burned by this uh by this prenup biz. Well, and if you are getting remarried and have children, they say that's an ideal situation for a prenup because you need to make sure that your own children are protected mm-hmm. um with in the case of another divorce. And we actually read one article about blended families and prenuptial agreements and I I got to say Kristen, that might be a topic for a whole another podcast just because the finances of a blended family are so tricky, but if you just want to think about it from a prenup perspective, if you've got two children, you want to make sure your assets are going to your two children as opposed to someone you may now bitterly hate. But <laughs> but the thing about bitter hate is it can happen. And when people say prenups are unromantic, I feel like it's it's almost better to think about how you're going to exit a marriage when you're most in love because then you're more likely to be fair and generous with someone. Whereas, you know, if you are divorcing because of, let's say, infidelity, you either want to take someone for all they've got, or if you're on the other side, you want to cut them off completely. Whereas if you really did love someone, you wouldn't want that for them. You'd want mm-hmm. it to be fair in some way. So again, as Kristen said, I, I am I am very pro-prenup <laughs> because it just, I think far from being unromantic, it's more romantic to share everything you have in terms of listing it out and then also saying, well, what's going to be fair to you and fair to me? In the case of this airplane crashes. Well, and I think that it also reflects something that women need to think about more than ever when they're entering into a marriage, as opposed to, say, 50 years ago when it was destination housewife. You know, we are career women. We do acquire assets. We do have 401ks. And I think that we, you know, it, it is worth 
thinking about those more practical sides of things, um, you know, in addition to the dress and the cake and the venue. Because if you think I'm giving half of my book collection to you, future husband, you are wrong. Staying with me. Now, Molly, but what about... All right, this is the extreme, though, in my opinion. Okay. You read about this in the New York Post, dating prenups. I love them. <laughs> There's no prenup you can throw at me that I'm not going to love. Why don't, talking... why don't you tell people a little bit about what dating prenups are? Sure. You found this article in the New York Post about these couples who are just living together or dating, but drawing up these same sort of contracts, because think of all the things you can accumulate in the course of dating. You might get a dog. You might get uh, gym memberships. You might get uh, a certain favorite bar. Some people are going so far as to say, if we break up, I get that bar. Yeah. Or your parents. I mean, like, think of how much, you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend can get to know your parents, your family, your friends. Who gets the friends, Kristen? Who gets the friends? Ah, but can you really put that on a piece of paper? And if you're just dating for crying out loud, you know, I mean, is that just really putting the cart before the horse? Well, I think... some dating is different than other day. I do think that when you're moving in together, if you haven't had a serious conversation about finances and what living together is going to be like, you know, there was one couple in the article that basically laid out in an unofficial contract that just the two of them honored who was going to make the bed and who was going to take out the trash. Yeah, a lot of these these dating prenups are not legal binding contracts. It's more like kind of like the Steven Spielberg, Amy Irving thing. It's it's more of a cocktail napkin. There's something napkin. we came up in a bar when we decided to move in together. Exactly. But, you know, if you if you do, if you buy a dog together, if you buy, you know, electronic equipment that costs lots of money to or even your if home. you if, you know, if someone gave up their apartment to move into someone else's house, and then the relationship ends. What are you going to do for for living arrangements? You know, just even those uh, divisions of property that you don't really even own. Um, it's just I think that's just part of a practical conversation you've got to have before you move in with someone. Well, my my favorite anecdote from this New York Post article was of a relationship blogger and a comedian who created. I mean, it was kind of just a silly dating prenup, but I think they did take it pretty seriously because it included creative rights over their shattered relationship. Because, you know, as on this podcast, every now and then we tend to share personal stories. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're, if you're in that, that realm, you know, I mean, dating and, and breaking up and all of that is such good fodder so many times, like it can be really hurtful. Yeah. I mean, Kristen never signed an agreement that I couldn't write a book about her later. Yeah. And I'm going to call it the thrifty homeschooler who wanted to abolish marriage. <laughs> she didn't sign an agreement. And that's not true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, that's kind of on the, the sillier side of things. I mean, I think that we can kind of, you know, get out into the fringes at this point. Right. But I do see your, your point, Molly, that these kind of dating prenups as kind of serious as they might seem, could be a good tool to reevaluate your relationship, see how much you really care about this person, and understand exactly what two people coming together in a relationship really entails. And I don't, I just, again, I, I have a hard time, and if you have the other opinion, feel free to write in and tell me what, why I'm wrong, but I just don't see that as unromantic. I feel like most people who are successful in relationships will admit that romance is something that you work at. So I don't think that sharing with the other person, you know, what you're bringing into relationship uh, is unromantic. I think that that's an evidence of the work that you're going to do if you say just in a dating, you know, prenup, I'm going to take out the trash. That's what I'm going to bring to this relationship. Well, it's kind of like what you said. You know, if it, when you when you go into a dating relationship or a marital relationship 
or just some kind of partnership with someone else in a romantic sense. I mean, you're expected to be truthful to that person. You're expected to be emotionally honest, sexually honest. Um, and why not be fiscally honest as well? Exactly. Fiscally naked. Yeah. Just as important as emotional nakedness. And that's the title of my next book. <laughs> and I really hope that we hear from a lot of you guys. I mean, flood, flood the Facebook page, send us emails. Cause I am very curious to know about people's thoughts on this prenup situation. Cause I think it's kind of, it's a little controversial. Well, you know, this, this whole um, episode was uh, suggested by one of our listeners, Alicia in Missouri. Yes. Who, uh, got married and didn't have a prenup, although it was discussed. And, uh, I believe that the husband had a business. So there was that, that sort of asset and they decided against it. So maybe people are having this discussion and deciding against it. Maybe far more people have prenups than we know. The USA Today article pointed out that because it kind of falls halfway under a state law and halfway under family law, it's sort mm-hmm. of impossible to know exactly how many are out there. But if you have them, why'd you get them? If you talked about it and decided against it, why'd you do that? And if you think that they are the most unromantic, horrifying things in the world, let us know about that too. Yeah. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And Molly, would you like me to kick things off with an email? As I usually do. Um, yeah, let's keep it as usual, Kristen. Yeah. I'm not going to throw a curveball this week, Molly, because I don't want you we to should. podcast divorce me and then take everything I own. Um, so I've got an email here from Claire, and I think it's kind of addressed to me. <laughs> she says, she says, I have just one teeny tiny favor to ask. Please, and that's in all caps. Claire's not kidding around. Please stop with the phony British accents that seem to pop up in every single podcast. Please. It's my only request. <laughs> so, uh, Claire, I'm, I'm really sorry that, uh, that you find my accent so great. But, and I was talking to Molly about this earlier. The thing is, it's not, it's not premeditated when I slip into a weird voice. It's an unfortunate habit that happens outside of the studio at all. It just kind it really of does. possesses me. Yeah. You'll be in meetings and Kristen all of a sudden have an accent. But I, that's what I love about do Kristen. Do I do it in meetings? I hope not. Maybe. And it it kind of falls along the lines of a bad habit I've acquired of singing my words. You know, I just don't even mean to. So, um, so anyway. It's a good reminder that our shows aren't scripted. It's all off the cuff. So (laughs) that's also why there are still a lot of ums and you knows and, uh. But I will try, maybe, maybe I'll just keep in mind no, no British accent. But I love your British accent. Molly, but, but Claire doesn't. And who's gonna podcast divorce you? I guess she could too. I guess she could. All right. So thank you, Claire. And, and, uh, apologies to anyone who hates any vocal tics that we have. Cheerio. There's one last one. <laughs> All right. Let's do a reading list because those aren't controversial. This is a reading list from Karen. And, uh, like many of her, our listeners and probably people who aren't even our listeners and people just around the world, she is working on Stieg Larsson's Millennium Trilogy. Started with Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, and the the last book just came out here in the U.S., The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest. So she's on that last book. She writes that she just finished Clown Girl by Monica Drake and writes, intriguingly, I will never look at clowns the same way again. Oh, God, I don't think that book's for me. (laughs) The clowns terrify me. She also read Valley of the Dolls by Jacqueline Suzanne. She also reads a lot of music bios like Bowie, A Biography, and Paul McCartney, A Life. She was trying to read the James Bond series, but finds the male characters' views towards women and other races hard to read sometimes. Um, and those are a few of her suggestions. 
So thank you all for writing in. As always, it's momstuff at howstuffworks.com. During the week, you should follow us on Twitter and become our fans on Facebook. Really, we just want you in our lives. And on top of that, you can read our blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You. And the website you can find it at is howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?